Nats Chat is brought to you by Walters. Walters is the best sports bar in Navy Yard, located just across the street from Nationals Park. Also a great place to check out if you're headed to Audi Field. Make sure to check out their self-pour beer wall and unlimited TVs. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. More new baseball. Getting the sign through pitch count from Ruiz. Runners lead second and third, two out. The kick, and here it comes. Swing and a miss. He blows him away with another fastball. The ninth strikeout for Mackenzie Gore. And the pitch swing to ground ball left side toward the hole. Vargas dives to get it. He's on his knees with nothing else he can do. In from third to score is Fletcher. And it's now Arizona 6 and Washington 2. Now the pitch. Swing and a long drive to right field. This is way back. Going, going, and long gone. Goodbye. K-Bent Ruiz with a bomb to straightaway right field. Chafin sets the pitch. Swing and a line drive, a base hit into left field. One run is scored. Chavis around third, coming to the plate. He will score. And Vargas heads to second base with a tying run into scoring position. Now the set. Abrams off second to pitch. Swing and a long drive. Deep left field. This is way back. Going, going, gone. Goodbye. It's a two-run homer for Lane Thomas. And the Nationals have taken the lead here in the top of the ninth inning. 300 batting average against. First pitch driven to deep left center field. This is way back. At the wall is Garrett leaping. And he made the catch or no it is oh he's screaming for interference, interference on the yeah. on the fan reaching over onto the field of play and the nationals davy martinez coming out after review the call on the field is confirmed it is a home run oh. and now finnegan ready again on three and one the kick and here it comes it is inside ball four and the game is over and welcome to nats chat for sunday may 7th 2023, along with MadisonSports.com Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman, who was at Chase Field in Phoenix, Arizona. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. So the Nats on Saturday night played what was easily their wildest game of this season so far. A game in which the Nats overcame a 6-2 ninth inning deficit with a five-run ninth, but then gave up two runs in the bottom of the ninth. A game in which the Nats, our no-home-run hitting Nats, smashed two big home runs in that five-run ninth. This was a game in which the Nats and Diamondbacks combined for 15 runs, 10 of which were scored over the final one and a half innings. This was a game in which Mackenzie Gore was great, but the Nats' bullpen was uh, not so great. This was a game in which the game-tying home run in the bottom of the ninth was perhaps the result of fan interference. 
This was a game prior to which we found out that a Nats player, Jamer Candelario, spent Friday night in a hospital due to what doctors ultimately determined was dehydration. There's so much more I could say, but you get the idea. This was, though, ultimately a game that was a loss for the Nats. An 8-7 walk-off loss in Game 2 of a three-game series at the Arizona Diamondbacks. Nats now 13-20. and But, Mark, <laughs> this was some game on Saturday night. You put that all very well, Al, but now what I would like to see you do is put that all into an 800-word game story and, oh, by the way, finish it the moment the final out, or in this case, the final run scores, because that was my challenge at the end of the night. There were so many different versions of the story that I was writing. I honestly believed that this was going to be, win or loss, a Mackenzie Gore story about the game, that that was going to be the most important thing. And I do think in the bigger picture, that may still be the most important thing that happened in this game. But how can you ignore what the Nationals did in the top of the ninth? That was about as shocking of a rally as I've seen from them in a long, long time, both because of the end result, but also who was doing it. And then for it to just disappear as quickly as it did in the bottom of the ninth and as painfully as it did. And so that ends up becoming the story. There were so many twists and turns to this one that my head was spinning at the end of it. I'm sure fans felt the same way. We're going to try to break it all down and try to make some sense of it and try to pick out what we think was important and maybe what wasn't as important. But I mean, there was a lot to this one in the end. There was. I mean, I think if you kind of try to break it down, right, you have three sort of major chapters with this game. You have the Mackenzie Gore chapter, you have the Nats comeback chapter, and then you have the bottom of the ninth slash Nats bullpen chapter. And each chapter is worthy of leading off our discussion. Like, I don't think you go wrong here. But I do think to what you said, I mean, the guiding light, the North Star from this game, if you're a Nats fan, is Mackenzie Gore. Mackenzie Gore was so good in this game. And there was a moment in this game that was just like picture perfect in terms of what we want from Gore, what we're seeing from Gore right now, and who this guy just may well be. So, you know, I guess before we get to all the chaos, maybe like the stabilizing thing is a thing that we should harp on here for at least a, a minute or two. Mackenzie Gore on Saturday night, two runs in six innings, nine strikeouts versus one walk. Now, it was kind of an odd outing in that he did put some guys on him. Mean, he gave up eight hits, a home run, and seven singles. He issued two wild pitches, including a run-scoring wild pitch, but he threw a lot of strikes, 95 pitches, 63 strikes, versus 32 balls. And Gore in the bottom of the sixth gave up a run, but also had a big time gut check sequence. So he gave up the run on a leadoff opposite field single by Lourdes Gurriel Jr. to right field, an opposite field single by Christian Walker on a pop-up that was uh, to no man's land in shallow right field near the foul line. And then Gore issued that wild pitch that scored a run, scored Gurriel to tie the game at two. Then Gore issued a walk of Evan Longoria, and then Dominic Fletcher put down a first pitch sacrifice bunt that Gore actually fielded exceptionally well. He attacked the ball, fielded the ball beautifully, made a strong throw to first base for the out. The sack bunt gave the Diamondbacks runners on second and third with one out. Mackenzie Gore then generated back-to-back swinging strikeouts of Nick Ahmed and Gabriel Moreno. And it was such a great moment in the game. It was such a beautiful thing to see if you're a Nats fan. The final line from Gore is really good. Again, two runs, six innings, nine strikeouts. But what he did in that sixth inning was so good and speaks so well to who he is already as a starting pitcher. A hundred percent. And like I said, that was going to be my story, win or lose, I thought, to this game. He didn't just strike them both out. He struck them out with fastballs. 
97 and 95. And at the end of all that, and by the way, there was also a, a mound visit from the trainer right before that, after the sack bunt, because he stubbed his toe. They want to check on him. And he gave him like the, get out of here. I'm fine. Leave me in this game. Don't even think about taking me out of this. And then proceeded to strike out the next two batters. And in that moment, I'm thinking to myself, I have not seen that kind of performance in that kind of moment from a national starting pitcher in several years. And truthfully, in the 19 years that this team has existed, there are only a handful of starting pitchers they've ever had who can do what that guy did in that spot. And he's got a long way to go before he's in the same class as the names that we're all thinking of who would come through in those spots. But if you needed reason to understand why they believe he could be the next one on that list, that sequence right there was it. That's what an ace does in a big spot when he knows this is the end of his night on the mound. And I know there's so much else happened and there was so much more to it than that. But if nothing else, I would take that away from this game and say in the bigger picture, that mattered more than anything else. It is the thing that by far you should take away from this game moving forward if you're a Nats fan. I mean, the comeback was great. The bullpen meltdown was tough to take. But what Gore did, like, that is the thing, man. Like, that's what matters more than anything with this game. And, you know, when we talk about this season, and I know it's, you know, easier said than done, right? Like, divorce yourself from the wins and losses. But, like, I think what happened Saturday night is a perfect instance of that where the game was crazy. If you're ticked off about the loss, I hear you. But Gore was great, and that's what matters more than anything. So a salute to Mackenzie Gore, who, remember, was coming off a down outing, certainly by his recent standards. So he bounced back with what he did in this game on Saturday night. Gore in his last outing, that 5-1 loss to the Chicago Cubs at Nationals Park this past Monday night, four runs in four innings. Well, he was a lot better on Saturday night, and uh, he overall has been really good now. Seven starts, ERA at 365. The whip is 143, but the strikeouts per nine innings, 11.68. I mean, that is the stuff of an ace. All right, the comeback. A jaw-dropping comeback by the Nationals, and I give them so much credit for this comeback because, you know, we've talked so often about A, the lack of power, B, the lack of scoring runs deep into games. This game, as it went on, felt like another one of these games in which the Nats just weren't going to do much offensively, especially as the game went on. We then got a leadoff home run by Kbert Ruiz in the top of the ninth inning. So Kbert Ruiz in this game on Saturday night busted out of a slump. He in a two-run fourth had a one-out two-run double to left field for a 2-1 Nats lead. That double broke an 0-for-17 slump. And then Kbert Ruiz in what ended up being a five-run ninth inning, a leadoff home run on a bottom to right field to cut the Nats deficit to 6-3. He was down in the count at 1.02, 431 feet per stat cast. But, you know, we've joked about this, right? The Nats have done this in other games this season. In the ninth innings of lackluster losses, hit these bomb home runs. You're like, okay, this is probably another instance of that. Uh, no, that ended up being an oh-so-crucial home run. Now, we then did get two outs in the game. And then came this improbable rally. Walk by Alex Cole, who was in the game for Victor Robles, who left the game due to back trouble. That happened in this game. Michael Chavis had a single. He started at third base for the aforementioned Jamer Candelario, who got hospitalized on Friday night. Then came Ildemaro Vargas, who started this game at shortstop for C.J. Abrams. We had that Vargas with a huge two-out, two-run single to draw the Nats within 1-6-5. And then the home run of the night, the moment of the night, at least in the immediate picture, maybe the moment of the season, Lane Thomas, Lane Thomas, who remember not long ago had not hit a single home run in this regular season, a go-ahead 
two out, two run home run to left field for a 7-6 Nats lead on a 1-2 pitch. A 419-foot blast. Stunning, jaw-dropping. If you're a Nats fan, if you had followed this team with any kind of regularity this season, there's no way that you expected what we saw in this sequence. No, that's why it stood out to me as like just one of these most unlikely rallies because like you said, Ruiz hits the leadoff homer and that was great and good for him snapping out of an 0 for 17 because he had a two-run double earlier in the game and then that towering home run. So good sign there again in the bigger picture. But then the two straight outs. And so you're still at this point down three runs with two outs in the ninth inning and look who's coming up. It's Call, Chavis, and Vargas. Are you telling me that all three are going to get on base and that Vargas is going to deliver probably his biggest hit since he joined the Nationals last summer? And then for Thomas, not that you wouldn't think that he's somebody who could deliver, but to deliver the way that he did, that was a no-doubter off the Diamondbacks closer, Andrew Chafin. And you could see the emotion that Lane Thomas had at the point of contact and right after that and what that meant to him. It was stunning. It was absolutely stunning. And the kind of thing that just uplifts an entire team. And let's remember, this isn't the first time this week. This has been a pretty good week for some late rallies by them. This was the most dramatic of them. But in their three wins over the Cubs, in each case, they scored the go-ahead winning runs in the seventh inning or later. They had Alex Call's walk off in the ninth the other day. So they were on the verge of doing this now, what, four out of five days and winning all those games. So, you know, I'm not big on the whole momentum thing in baseball, but this team had something going right, it seemed like, in the late innings. And that can do wonders for your confidence. I mean, it was amazing how the inning kept playing out. It felt like they were going to keep it going. And there is something to that for whatever reason. They were feeling it. I'm sure Chafin was feeling the opposite on the mound. So if you could block out what happened in the bottom of the ninth, and you can't, of course, do that. But what did happen in the top of the ninth is really important for them. And it's the kind of thing that you want to believe as the season plays out, they can remember and say, if they're in this spot again, hey, we've done it before. We actually do have faith in some of these guys to come through with big hits because these are not necessarily the names that you're counting on to deliver with two outs in the ninth inning. Well, and to the point of the hitting being contagious, all of this happened. And then, oh, by the way, Luis Garcia had a two-out opposite field double to left field. And the scoring nearly continued until the final out finally was made. Yeah, Chafin was a special kind of bad in this ninth inning. And his look, his body language after he gave up that home run to Lane Thomas, he looked so defeated. He really got roughed up in this game. The Nats had their way with Chafin in that ninth inning. It was tremendous. I mean, I I give the Nats so much credit for what they did in that inning to battle back like this and to take what seemed like a certain defeat. I mean, when the Diamondbacks scored three runs in the bottom of the eighth, because that's how this game went. Three runs, bottom of the eighth Diamondbacks, five runs, top of the ninth Nats, then two runs, bottom of the ninth Diamondbacks. The three-run Diamondbacks eighth, you said, all right, this game is over, right? I mean, who, who expected anything to happen in the ninth inning? And then, yeah, a whole lot ended up happening in that ninth inning. Hey, Nat Chat listeners, Tim Shovers here, producer of the podcast, to tell you about game time. Do you struggle sometimes to find tickets to your favorite events? Buying tickets to these shouldn't be stressful. That's why you should look into the game time app. It's even harder these days with the lack of paper tickets available on the street. If you're looking for tickets to Nats, 
DC United, or even the Drake concert this summer, Game Time offers the lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, and job loss protection. Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. It's the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code NATSCHAT for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account at GameTime.co and redeem code NATSCHAT for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Felt sick. We had to get the paramedics come out, check on him. He basically had a, uh, he was dehydrated. They took him to the hospital just to make sure he was okay. They did blood work. Everything came out fine. It was just dehydration. So I want to give him a day off today. Condelario hospitalized Friday night. Doesn't start the game Saturday night. Chavis starts at third. Vargas starts at short. Robles leaves the game due to a back issue. Alex Cole comes into the game. What do we know about Candelario and Robles here? So in Candelario's case, it was dehydration. Now, he didn't feel it. He says he didn't feel it until after the game on Friday. He was in the shower and felt dizzy and he came out of it and they had him lay down and they actually called for paramedics and gave him fluids. They sent him to the hospital just to be sure for precautionary reasons, but they kept him overnight for observation, gave him a bunch of IV fluids, and they decided that it was just dehydration, that it wasn't anything else, thankfully. But you know, he came to the ballpark at some point on Saturday, but he went back to the hotel to go to sleep because he hadn't slept much. My guess with a quick turnaround is that they would not try to put him out there on Sunday. I guess they'll see how he feels when he gets up in the morning and reports to the ballpark. But that's a little scary. And I get dehydration, okay, whatever, it should be fine. But they were nervous there for a little while. When you go to the hospital, you're being examined for some other things just to make sure nothing else more serious has happened. So that's a scary moment for them. It sounds like hopefully everything is all right there. For Robles, he was caught stealing in the third inning, trying to steal second. And he stayed in the game for a little bit, but the following inning, Alex Call came up to pinch hit for him and he did tweak his back on the slide into second base. I did see him in the clubhouse. He was walking around, uh, looked a little bit ginger. I would not be surprised if they give him another day off as well. Although we've seen from Robles, <laughs> I, I don't mean to make light of it, but there are times that he looks like he's seriously injured and it turns out it's not anything that bad. He is 
I think he worries at times that something was really bad in the moment and it turns out it was not. So let's see. I don't think they're super concerned about him, but we'll see what the lineup looks like on Sunday. But yeah, because of all that, you know, normally you're not letting Michael Chavis and Ildemaro Vargas bat with the game on the line in the ninth inning, but they didn't have anybody else at that point, especially against the lefty. You weren't going to have Abrams pinch hit for either of them against the lefty. The only other option maybe would be Riley Adams. And I don't know that was something that Davey wanted to do. So adding even more to the the lore of that rally, the guys who were doing it because there really weren't any other fallback options to bring off the bench. Yeah, I want to say this about Vargas too. I mean, I know, you know, it's Ildemaro Vargas, but that huge two-run single in the five-run ninth, and he in the top of the fifth had this great infield single. He hustled like crazy on this infield single. It was a one-out infield single to the left side of the infield. Just tremendous hustle. He then advanced multiple bases on a hit later in the inning. So Vargas, I mean, you know, again, it's Ildemar Vargas, we get that, but we saw this with him last year. Like, he can contribute when he plays, and he certainly did that on Saturday night, but it's just crazy, right? You had Chavis at third, Vargas at short, Stone Garrett in left. Like, the entire left side of your defensive alignment were guys who don't normally start for you, and yet the Nats ended up pulling off uh, this amazing comeback, but do not pull off an amazing win. And that now takes us to the Nationals bullpen in this 8-7 walk-off loss at the Diamondbacks on Saturday night. As good as Mackenzie Gore was in this game, that's how bad the Nats bullpen ended up being in this game. Four relievers combined to allow six runs in two and a third innings. And the irony is, okay, three of the four relievers were bad. The guy who was good was the Rule 5 pick, the kid, Thaddeus Ward. He, in the bottom of the eighth, faced two batters, got two outs. But Coral Edwards Jr., Mason Thompson, and yeah, Kyle Finnegan had problems. So Edwards, bottom of the seventh, allowed a run on a leadoff triple by Alec Thomas on a grounder. That was a weird play. It was a grounder that got by the first baseman, Dominic Smith, down the first baseline. And then Lane Thomas, the right fielder, made a way off-target throw to third base. Maybe could have gotten Thomas with a better throw, but didn't. And then Edwards gave up a first-pitch RBI single by Cattell Marte to left center, for a 3-2 Diamondbacks lead. Then came Mason Thompson struggling again. And, you know, I think at this point, you do have to wonder at least a little bit if uh, the uh, carriage is turning back into a pumpkin for Thompson. Bottom of the eighth, he allowed three runs. He got just one out. Uh, He gave up four singles. He issued a wild pitch. Now, in fairness to Thompson, he was plagued by some bad defense. Uh, Chavis at third allowed a chopper to go off his glove for a leadoff uh, single by Kristen Walker. And Ildemaro Vargas, we just sung his praises, but he committed a one-out fielding error on a grounder off the bat of Gabriel Moreno as a run scored for a 5-2 Diamondbacks lead. Then came Thaddeus Ward doing well, and then came Kyle Finnegan. And man, this was tough to watch. He blows the save in the bottom of the ninth off the great comeback by the Nats. Two runs, records just one out. Comes into the game, bottom of the ninth, Nats are up 7-6. On the first pitch that Finnegan throws, he gives up a leadoff home run by Lourdes Gurriel Jr. to left center field to tie the game at 7. The play was reviewed for fan interference. I don't know what you saw. It didn't look like fan interference. The ball has to be catchable, and that did not appear to be catchable. But what did you see with that home run? He made... The catcher, no, it is. Oh, he's screaming for interference, interference on yeah. the on the fan reaching over onto the field of play. And the Nationals, Davey Martinez coming out. Yeah, that's how I saw it as well. Now, Garrett's reaction immediately suggested that he thought it was blatant and he was going to catch the ball. And then you watch the replay and, and due respect to Stone, I don't think he really had any play on it. The fan did obviously touch the ball and it's possible that he was 
you know, over the plane of the fence. But the angle that the ball came in, it was not coming down. It was like on a straight line out there. I don't think there was any chance that Garrett had of catching it. And if the fan doesn't touch the ball, it still clears the fence for a home run. So I understand and agree with um, them upholding the call. You take a shot at it in that situation, of course. And I'm sure in the moment, Stone feels like, hey, I just got robbed. But this was not Jeffrey Mayer for all those who know that incident. This was nothing like that. It was a clear home run and the fan did not turn a fly out into a home run. Yeah. Although Garrett did react like Tony Tarasco did uh, on that night. I mean, Garrett, (laughs) I give him credit. Stone Garrett sold that pretty well. He sold that to make you think that maybe it was fan interference, but it didn't appear to be. So that was crushing. First pitch, Finnegan gives up the game-tying home run. And then Finnegan gave up a single and three walks, one of which was intentional, yes. But Finnegan ended up walking in the walk-off run. The final walk that Finnegan issued, a one-out, bases-loaded, walk-off walk of a pinch-hitting Paven Smith on five pitches. Kyle Finnegan in this appearance, 17 pitches, a mere eight strikes versus nine balls. Not pretty, not good. It was a fourth appearance in five days for Finnegan. What'd you think of what we saw? And do you think that his status as an ads closer is in jeopardy? I don't think immediately that that's like a major official change that we've made. I could see if they are in a position to close out a game on Sunday, given the workload four out of five that Finnegan would sit. And because Hunter Harvey has had two days off since his three in a row, that he could get the ball. And who knows if he thrived in that spot, maybe you say, okay, we're going to go with the hot hand here. That's about the only scenario where I would see this being a formal change. I don't think they would intentionally make that move right now. Now, Finnegan had been six of his last six in saves since a really bad blown save against the Rays. Now that said, and we've talked about this, there have been a number of those outings that were not clean. He hadn't had a clean one, two, three inning since New York. I think it was April 26th. So that's a little while ago. Now he had done a good job of getting himself out of jams, but he had not had that just come in, blow you away. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, game over. So that's a little bit of a concern. And he admitted that especially after that first walk, he was really struggling with his feel for his pitches. And he said like, I'm just at that point trying to figure out where do I need to start the ball to have it end up in the strike zone. That's not a good position to be in. So he clearly had lost it. We've talked about how historically Finnegan's issue is when he goes bad, he goes really bad. He seemed to maybe have done some things in the first month of the season to alleviate that, to make that not be the case. But this was a complete reversal back into the worst form of himself. He was upset about it. Obviously, he knows that you know, not every blown save is equal. And this one was especially difficult because of the way that they rallied and the way that it just sucked all the life out of that clubhouse. So he's searching for it at the moment. And is it the workload? Is it the fact that he probably had to start warming up unexpectedly? He was probably not thinking he was even going to be pitching in this game. Those are not excuses, of course, but that was the circumstances that he was in it. So I'll be interested. I think if they do have a chance to save the game, On Sunday, I could see Harvey getting it just because of the workload situation. If it doesn't come up like that, then I would be very interested. My guess is that we'd see Finnegan again come Monday or Tuesday in San Francisco. 
So the numbers for Finnegan now on the season, ERA is 675, whip of 195. He's putting on a lot of guys on base. You know, he's only thrown 13 into third innings. It's been a weird deal. Remember, he had that stretch of time at which he like barely pitched. Remember, he ended up pitching in like a blowout game because he just needed the work. He hadn't pitched in a while. And now lately, he's pitched a ton. So the overall workload hasn't been much, but the workload lately clearly has been a lot. What about Mason Thompson? I mean, Mason Thompson was in contention with Hunter Harvey for the guy who has been the best reliever for the Nats this season. Thompson just has not looked well in his recent outings. No. And so he had that great three-inning performance in New York, came back a few days later and was not good. And then he had four days off between that one and this one. And so I don't think you can say, oh, well, he's fatigued or it's still residual effect of all that because... He had ample time to let his arm recover. And if not for what Finnegan did, we would be talking about Mason Thompson even more so because that was a bad inning. Now, his defense did not help him. You mentioned it. Chavis and Vargas in particular, not real clean. And on a different night, you have your starters out there, Candelario and Abrams, and maybe it is a different story. But Mason Thompson did not look very good. And he was hit. It wasn't walks. He was getting hit. And that's not been who he's been through the most part of the first month of the season. So I don't think there's anything major. They're going to make any changes there, but he does need to get this back on track somewhat soon. I don't think it's a workload issue, or if it is, then he's been feeling something since that three-inning game and hasn't spoken up about it. He had ample time off, so that should not be an excuse for the way that he pitched in this one. Yeah, I mean, I know Davey's taken a lot of bullets lately for overworking Hunter Harvey, overworking Kyle Finnegan. And yeah, I mean, I think there is some, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking you can do with that stuff. But, you know, again, these guys have got to get outs. To me, it starts with Carl Edwards. Like, you know, you, you give up a run like that, that turns out that that hurt you. And, and that, was a, that was a weird triple, I'll, I'll grant you that. But it's like, you got to get outs. And he didn't do that. And then Thompson didn't do that. And then, you know, obviously Finnegan didn't do that. Like, can somebody be on? And it's weird with these relievers, right? Because in game one of this series, we saw some really good bullpen work by the Nats. And the guys doing it were Erasmo Ramirez and Hobie Harris. Like, it's just, it's so unpredictable. These relievers are so hard to project. They're so hard to rely on. Guys who you think you can count on, you can't. Guys who you think have no shot end up being good for you, and you just don't know. And so, like, in that regard, I'm, I'm sympathetic to, like, every manager because <laughs> these guys are just so untrustworthy when it comes right down to it. It's a shame the Nats didn't win this game. I guess, though, maybe it's the state of the team, you know, it being a rebuilding team. I don't feel awful about this game. Like, I actually think, A, with Gore, and then B, with the fact that the team actually hit some homers, showed some life late in a game like this, I think there's actually a lot to feel good about with this game. And, you know, I know that that can come off as loser talk, and maybe it is. And, you know, if the Nats were considered to be a postseason contender, we probably wouldn't be talking this way. But they're not, okay? The reality is this is a rebuilding team that's now 13 and 20. And so I think you actually can take a lot of good things from this loss on Saturday night, as rough as that bottom of the ninth was. Don't look now, Al, but you sound like Davey Martinez because that's exactly what he told his players after the game. He said, hold your heads up high. Be proud of yourselves. The way that you battled back in this game, that is what mattered to him. So yeah, there is a little power of positive thinking there. And listen, if this game happens in May of 2019 or even 2021, 
it's a very different story, I think. You are crushed by it and you're saying, boy, this team is in serious trouble because these are games you have to win if you are contending. And man, the bullpen is a problem. And here we go again. They got to go find a reliable closer, late inning guy at the trade deadline. But that's not the situation they're in right now. You know that. I know that. There is a bigger picture here. And that's why I agree that I still think Mackenzie Gore and what he did is more important than anything else that happened. Now, we talked a couple of weeks ago about the value of teams learning how to win close games. And I do think there is something to that. And we saw earlier in the week, they won some close games and, and that's been good experience for them. You can't get to the end of the season and have this happen on a regular basis and say, well, that's a good thing and or ignore it. That you can't do. You need to see improvement there. And hopefully that will be the case. But for as ugly as that bottom of the ninth was, and as painful as it was, and as down as that clubhouse was afterwards, I do think there are a lot of good things to take from it. And if you're able to step back, look at this from high above and think about the big picture, those positive things mean more in the long run than the negative things that happen in one game. I think the other thing too is this. So the worst aspect of this game clearly was the bullpen. The bullpen is a thing that changes the most year to year. Like your starting pitching and your hitting is what you really want to focus on in a rebuild. You don't rebuild with relievers. You rebuild with starting pitchers and position players. And so to me, in this rebuilding season, I'm really not that focused on the relievers because chances are when the Nats get good again in a year or two or three or whenever that is, a lot of these relievers aren't going to be here anymore, okay? Like there's a good chance that a lot of the guys who you're watching as Nats relievers this season are going to be long gone by the time the Nats get good again. But the thinking, the hope is that guys like Mackenzie Gore and Josiah Gray and Luis Garcia and Kate Bear Ruiz and Lane Thomas are still here and are pieces. And that's why, to me, you can take good things from Saturday night because those are the people who did well. You know, Mason Thompson, Kyle Finnegan, look, maybe they're here in a year or two or three, who knows? But they're relievers. So there's a good chance that they won't be. And so I don't think you view them the same way you view these other people because I just don't think it'll rebuild your harp on the relievers. You can put together a bullpen on the fly. We've seen the Nats do that when they've been good. Starting pitching and position players, that's really what you have to hone in on, I think, anyway, when you're talking about a rebuilding team. Yeah, I was going to say, similar to what you just said, who are the most important players in this game who delivered for them? Mackenzie Gore, Kbert Ruiz, those are the top two in terms of long-term pieces of the puzzle. But Lane Thomas, who could be a piece of the puzzle, was big for them. Even Luis Garcia, like you said, it was a quiet three-hit night for him. So yeah, that's why we've said all along that this year, again, is not as much about the what, but the who. And in this case, the who, I think, does stand out because the most important who's on this team came through in a big way in this game. Yeah. Well, what a game it was. And if you stayed up for it, just from purely an entertainment standpoint, you were not let down. From an outcome standpoint, yeah, you probably were let down. But still, like we just said, a lot of good things to take from this game if you're a Nationals fan. Hit us up on Twitter, at Nats underscore chat. You can email the podcast, NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com, including if you would like to sponsor the show, email Tim Schober, see what we can do for you, NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com. We have a new website for the podcast, NatsChatPodcast.com. Dot com. You can check out previous installments of the show. You can contact the show. You can also get yourself or someone who you know a Nats Chat Podcast t-shirt. Again, that website is NatsChatPodcast.com. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. A thank you to Tim Newmark for the music for the Nats Chat Podcast. Visit TimNewmark.com. 
That chat is on the radio on Sunday mornings, 11 to 12 on ESPN Richmond, which is 106.1 FM in the Richmond, Virginia area and ESPNRichmond.com online. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi. Take a deep breath. That was some game on Saturday night. Thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast. The Yankees have left 10 men on base, including the bases loaded in the seventh and two runners in both the fifth and the sixth. In right field, Tarasco going back to the track, to the wall. And what happens here? He contends that a fan reaches up and touches it. But Richie Garcia says no, it's a home run. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.